Welcome to Conversations with Thought Leaders. Here's your host, David Webley. Hello, everybody. Welcome. It's uh, Wednesday, the 9th of September, 8am in the UK and, and 5pm here in Lockdown, Melbourne, where, where I am. Uh, welcome to Conversations with Thought Leaders, Series 2, Episode 1. Um, for those that haven't tuned in before, um, Conversations with Thought Leaders is a platform connecting community with inspirational ideas and a think thinking from across the globe. Uh, my name is David Webley. Uh, I'm also the Managing Director of Granite Consulting, and we're a specialist recruitment firm. And there's many people who have lost employment during the times of COVID through no fault of their own. Um, so we're doing a lot of work around the future of work, transferring of skills, what we're seeing in the future. So please feel free to reach out if you want to discuss career opportunities and what we're seeing in the, in the wonderful world of talent. Um, Finally, we're delighted to announce that we've got a partnership with a mental health non-for-profit organisation for Series 2 called Beyond Blue. So Beyond Blue is a mental health non-for-profit, as I said, supporting so many in the community, doing it tough, suffering with anxiety, depression and suicide-related challenges. Um, so there's absolutely no obligation, but if you do feel able, we've started a fundraising page and we'll send out a link to that. But certainly no obligation whatsoever and it's really in keeping with our theme of building back better for series two that we're going to explore during the next 10 conversations um today i'm delighted to be joined by avida patel and and rebecca merch uh, good morning morning david hi hi there um so by way of a, a brief bio before we, we get into our conversation and 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 presentation around rest recover and revive so Rebecca comes with a background in PR moving through to internal communications and employee engagement with leading organizations up to board and executive level in the past five years she's been leading projects and initiatives in the NHS focusing on employee engagement change organizational culture and clearly the National Health Service have been frontline heroes in the battle for COVID and communication has never been more critical. Um, Rebecca is passionate about giving employees a voice to be the best versions of themselves. In terms of Aviva's background, um, she's a chartered PR practitioner, helping people gain confidence and revolutionise the way they communicate in business. She's passionate about employee engagement, digital change, transformational communications. He's the founder of Comms Rebels, the co-founder of The Leader Like Me, and a board-directed board director for the Chartered Institute of Public Relations. Um, so on to today's show. Um, firstly, how are you both feeling? Not too bad, thanks. Great. <laughs> um, pleased to be here and to be sharing some of our um, learnings from the last uh, five months. It's definitely been a bit of a ride, a journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Life sort of has been getting back to some semi-normality, I believe, in the UK, although there's some changes it? depends if anyone's switched on the um the tv this morning and watched the news so um yeah it's that in between phase where i think uh we started to to go back to some sort of normality um but it potentially um you know we're starting to see a lot more local lockdowns um and uh new restrictions are coming in place now um i haven't fully caught up with it but yeah it, it is that sort of rocky in between stage 
I think it was safe to say, David, it's a it's very confusing at the moment in the UK. I think everyone's in a bit of a confused state. So uh, we're playing it day by day, I would say, in the world of cons particularly. Give us both, um, give us a bit of a backdrop around your story so far and your history and, and where you've come to be where you are today, please. Sure, shall I go yeah. first? Rebecca, yeah. So I've worked in communications and internal comms for the last 15 years, um, particularly around larger organisations with employees um, three to, you know, over three to 4,000. Uh, I started off actually with a, uh, a career in IT. So I wanted to be... Um, working in in digital, but the day, the the year I graduated, there was a there was a massive dot com crash. So I'm kind of giving away my age here a little bit. Um, so I had to the word of the century that we've all been using this year. I had to pivot a little bit, and um, as many I think who work in the communications field, I fell into the world of communications and marketing. Uh, so my career started off in marketing. I did a master's in strategic marketing, and then. Uh, I would say I fell in love with internal communications and that's what I've been working in in the last 15 years with a, with a dabble in PR. Um, and this year in January for my sins, because who knew a global pandemic was going to take over the world, uh, I launched my own business called Comms Rebel uh, to work with organisations to help them, like you said, revolutionise the way they communicate. Amazing. And Rebecca? Uh-huh. So when I started my uh, well, in my early twenties, I set up a business, um, a coffee shop, and a um, an events company. Uh, so that's how I. So again, not uh, in communications. Um, through that, uh, so sort of mid mid twenties. I'm going to be giving my age away away in a minute. Um, I decided to uh, change career and went into PR. So working, um, moved uh, to London, worked in large agency side and corporate and financial PR um, and then made the move into into internal comms. Um, and really, as sort of you mentioned earlier, but I suppose my driver is that employee engagement. And a lot of that comes from having had uh, my own business, I think, and working with staff. Uh, and really sort of understanding that the better that experience that you can give them, the more invested they become. And that's sort of where I, I sort of really find my, my stride and where I get real um, enjoyment out of the work that I do. Fantastic. So we're going to move through a presentation. So I'm going to hand over to you both shortly. A couple of final housekeeping things. There's a chat function at the bottom of the screen. Feel free to share your thoughts, your engagements, and then we can, um, we can have a discussion around that. There's also a Q&A tab. Um, so we'll be leaving plenty of time for questions towards the end. So please feel free to send questions. No need to wait to the end. Fire them them. Over to you both. Thank you. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, today, Rebecca and I are going to be talking about how to master your comms for your employees. So I'm going to share um, three pillars that I have worked uh, and created based on various conversations I've had with um, communicators across various organizations and across the globe as well, but also with my role, uh, as well as being a board director for the Chartered Institute of Public Public Relations, I'm also the chair of the Internal Communications Committee uh, called CIPR Inside. So based on some conversations I've had with with colleagues and peers, I've created these three pillars, which I'm going to go through with you all today and hopefully share some insight uh, around how you can communicate a little bit better with your employees and share some top tips and techniques, I hope. 
Um, so we all know this is uh, not a sprint. I think we've all heard this in, in, in our world. It's definitely a marathon. I think when the global pandemic was first announced, some of us may have fallen to, I certainly did, I admit that I thought it'd be over, to be honest with you, in, in a few months. Um, I don't think anyone could have anticipated it would be as long as it's going on for, and it's, it's going to go on longer. Uh, in terms of communications, um, crisis comms has, has definitely uh, exceeded anyone's kind of thoughts on how we would handle that. Um, even when we do um, develop a vaccine and, and tracking, it's, it's going to be very unlikely that the business that we're working in will go back to whatever the normal was uh, pre-COVID. So we are going to have to look at the new ways of working and, and how they're going to be established, especially if you think back to your colleagues at the moment who have been working at home or working from home. Those who have been furloughed in the UK, a lot of people were furloughed. Uh, people's, people's priorities have also changed. Now, I've spoken to many uh, senior leaders and colleagues who have spent a lot of time at home and, and have, have got a little bit of work-life balance. And, and some have gone to the extreme of working much longer hours and others have realized that the, the commute that they were doing on the road um, to their offices every day, you know, was was no needed. They could they could add value even more so being at home. So there's a lots of conversations around new ways of working and how that's going to impact the business going forward. On top of all of this, because you know, um the vaccine, like I said, and the tracking is probably going to be mid next year is what they anticipate. But who knows? You know, nobody, nobody actually knows the, the actual deadline. So businesses are going to think about their safety of the employees and your customers at the same time as well. So how do we play a part in that, in communicating that effectively with, with our employees as well as our customers? And effective comms is going to play a really big part in this. Um, and without that, we're going to struggle to understand what is it that we need to be aware of and what is it that we need to make sure that we are implementing effectively. So before we get started, uh, I just want to do a little bit of a, a pulse check because I'm a big fan of pulse check and just check in with your experience just to see how you're all um, how you're all finding the comms at the moment. So taking on board everything that's happened over the past six months, how would you say communication within your organisation has been handled? Let's give you a couple of minutes to, well, a minute to, to answer that. And it'll give me a bit of an idea in terms of how to uh, pitch this presentation as well, because I don't want you, you know, if, if you're all in the excellent tag, then I, I can adjust it slightly. So we'll get the answers in a second, I think. Here we go. Oh, great. Oh, that's good. So we've got a bit of a mix there. So good to hear that it's pretty good. Well, I hope what I'm about to share with you all um, going will, will help you enhance that a little bit more and push you into that excellent bucket. And those of you who are in the excellent bucket, I hope some of the top tips and techniques that both Rebecca and I share can add to the great work that you're all already doing in, in your uh, organizations. So um, I'm going to talk about my three pillars. If I can move my screen forward. Uh, oh, there we go. So um, the three pillars uh, that I'm going to talk about is reset, recover and revive. Now, the reason I set these three pillars is because Lots of people were kind of moving very quickly into the recover phase without actually going 
taking a step back. And I think when you're working at pace and you're working at speed, a lot of the times you want to kind of start moving into that communication phase and you want to make sure that people are being communicated effectively and they're they're getting told what they need to be told. And that is really important. But one thing to recognize is without understanding the impact the pandemic has had on your business and your organization, you're going to be communicating quite conflicting messages in the in the organization and bearing in mind depending on the type of organization that you work in lots there's lots of noise out there at the moment so if you you know if, you, if you're a social media if you turn on the the news if you turn on uh the, read the papers there's lots of advice there's lots of conflicting advice there's lots of information for people to absorb to the extent that people are kind of switching off from a lot of information and that does impact the way we communicate in our organization as well so one thing I advise if you're not already a part of that decision making table is to have those courageous conversations with your colleague uh, with your leadership team uh, and, and with the individuals who make those decisions so if you're if you're part of that conversation already and you're part of that you have that seat then amazing that will help you understand what's changing and what needs to be done differently um, because things will have changed, you know, things will, um, if you work in different organizations, uh, different industries, sorry, some of you will have been ha- hardly any impact, I would say, in terms of uh, performance, so, you know, depending on the industry that you're working in. Some of you will have had a big impact um, in terms of adapting the way you're working, but you need to kind of understand where your business is moving. So where are you going? What's your next kind of 12-month strategy? Because I probably wouldn't work Personally, in the, in the world of communications and, and the business that you're in, I wouldn't work any further ahead than 12 months and I would do a short-term, mid-term and a long-term plan. So what are you doing immediately? What's going to happen in the next three to six months? And then what's going to happen six months to 12 months? Because things are moving quite quickly and we don't know when the second, third waves that everybody's talking about may happen. We don't know the impact it's going to have on our customers and we don't know what's going to happen with our colleagues either. So you need to understand what's changed and what's needs to be done differently and have those courageous conversations. If you're not part of those conversations and you're not being able to get in there with your managers and your leaders, then I would definitely advise you to have a conversation with one of your sponsors or your senior director and explain to them the rationale and why you need to be involved. Um, because if you work in the communications world uh, or you or you don't have a dedicated comms team and whoever is responsible for doing that comms needs to have that seat and needs to at least have an open invite to come along to those conversations to help you develop your communication strategy effectively the other piece of advice in the reset pillar i would say is building your back to the workplace team now your back to the workplace team is going to be a mix of your key departments and internal influencers and I say that it, it, you should not really have your back to the workplace team being quite hierarchical. So I'm not saying it shouldn't really be all directors. You should definitely have decision makers to sign off things quickly. But your back to the workplace team should definitely be those key departments who understand the operation, who know what's happening with colleagues, who understand why you're doing what you're doing and can answer and give you the temperature check quite quickly without you having to chase around and understand what's happening in the business. So having your back to the workplace team is is critical when you're going through a bit of a change process. The next bit of advice I will share with you is to create your vision for the change linked to your values. So remember that, you know, your values are going to remain pretty steady in in the business and stuff, but your vision may adapt slightly or your mission, depending on on what your organization is. Like I said, this is going to be your key narrative. So make sure that your C 
senior leaders, any line managers understand what the new narrative is and what your kind of next steps are. Because when you work in a very, uh, when you've got people working at home and you've got people working from the office or you've got people working remotely or, or, or different hours, and line managers and leaders who are communicating with the workforce don't understand what the new narrative is and what the new story is, you're going to get mixed messages and very conflicting advice around the organisation. And people are going to make stuff up. Right. And that's the reason I think gossip and, and, and things can happen, especially when you can't gather everybody as easily as you could do uh, prior in, in, in a, like a town hall. You can do it virtually, of course, but it's really important that your leadership team and your line managers understand what your story is, what the narrative is and what they're meant to be communicating with those key messages. So having a master copy that you can share out with everybody. Once you've kind of nailed that and you know what where your team and your organization is going, that's when you should really move into that recover phase. So this is when you need to communicate quite early and consistently and transparently with your employees. And the reason I say that is that people are very vulnerable at the moment. You read in the news that some people are losing their jobs, sadly. As David said at the beginning, um, redundancy is, is 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 going to happen. There's going to be a bit of an economic crash, I think. Uh, I know, not even think. So your employees are going to be a little bit nervous and they're going to be a little bit knowing that something's going to happen, but not quite sure what's going to happen. So you may see a dip in performance. You may see them being distracted. You may see people looking for other opportunities if they don't know what is happening in your business. So it's important to continue to build that trust. And doing that and, and, and making sure that your employees know what's happening, that's when you need to do those regular pulse checks. And it'll be, and I say regular pulse checks, I think the days where we used to do those annual surveys have passed. The change is so frequent now and the emotions are so different that you need to do these regular temperature checks. And this could just be a really simple two or three questions every month about how people are feeling, how they think the communications is going, what's the biggest worry that they've got, what's working well. And it'll just give you a sense of what's happening in that business quite quickly. With the pulse checks, it'll also make, help you understand what channels you're using. And what I mean by channels are things like your, your like newsletters or your town halls that you might be doing or face-to-face -face meetings, the way you kind of communicate down to your employees or up to your employees as well. So remember the channels, you know, not every channel that you may have brought in right at the beginning of the pandemic is, is, is useful now, I would say. So make sure you do an audit to see what people are reading and what they're not reading and try and understand what's working for them. Because there is a habit sometimes in the world of comms that we can sometimes over-communicate too much, not us personally, but other people in, in our organisation as well. So just do a bit of a sense check about what people are saying and what they're not saying. And the pulse checks will help you understand where people are getting their information from as well. Once you've understood, you know, you've got that, you'll also find out from your pulse checks what kind of obstacles are in the way. So you may find that some leaders are not communicating as effectively as you think they may be and not having those regular checks with, with their teams. Because, you know, that one of the things we need to kind of understand is a lot of the stuff that we do is going to be um, communicated via our line manager population because they've got a better relationship with those line managers, I would say. So your line managers are going to be very well versed in what's working for the team and what isn't working for the team um, so make sure that you check in with your line managers and have those comms quite clear so your line managers know where to go to get information it's quite clear where the information is stored they've also got a safe space where they can ask questions without the fear of judgment they can be a little bit vulnerable as well because 
you know, there is a little bit of, I don't want to ask this question because no one has asked that question. And so what happens is that when employees ask the line managers what's happening and they don't know, there is a risk that they could either just say, that, you know, or make you know, say something that's not true and make something up, or or it's you know, or, or just shrug their shoulders and say, No one's told me anything, which is not great reputationally. Uh, and nowadays, we need to be quite conscious of our reputation just because our employees can quickly go onto social and, and go onto the other forms of media uh, and, and share. Uh, and we've seen that happen. You know, if you look at some of the organizations where that's happened, it's, it's been quite clear that people do have access to tools quite quickly now. So make sure your line managers have the right space where they can go and download the right information. They've got a dedicated, you know, so if you've got a, a social networking site, for example, in like something like Workplace or Yammer uh, or, or something uh, bespoke, make sure there's an area for them that's just for them where they can connect with each other and introduce things like peer-to-peer mentoring if people want some support, check in with the data that's being shared across with your HR team as well. So just see what, you know, if you can get ahead of the curve a little bit and see which teams are potentially having more annual, uh, having sickness, more sickness than anything, and which teams are uh, doing really well and try and think about doing some peer-to-peer mentoring and introducing that uh, if the appetite is there. And the third pillar, which some people, when you're working, when you're working at pace, like I said, you can forget about the revive section uh, element of, of what you're trying to achieve. And the reason I say revive is really important, like I said to you before, there's a lot going on. There's lots of noise. There's lots of information. People have had to contend with lots of rules and regulations. Children staying at home. Parents need to be looked after. You know, illness, uh, sadly, some people have had to go through as well, COVID-19. It's really important that we acknowledge this and we also look at sharing some good news because we can do that. You know, there will be some stuff that's happening in your business, such as sharing short-term wins, recognising some of the people who've been really supportive of delivering some of the key messages and some of the key work that you're doing and keeping the work going at the same time. Because recognition, they may get their thanks and the well-dones and from their line managers, which is brilliant, but having that little bit of recognition from a senior leader can go a long way. So I've encouraged a lot of my clients to handwrite letters um, to, to homes or, or to, to postcards and if they didn't want to send you know if they were if they didn't want to send it through the post which is you know fair enough because people people don't want to post things out then take a picture of a handwritten note and email it to people that's a lot more effective than typing something out because you're taking the effort to step away from your pc and and, and write something out by hand and that's a really easy kind of very very tactical way of uh, to, to get and kind of get that recognition out there but people i can guarantee will appreciate that much more than a £10 voucher, uh, to, to, to be honest. So think about the people who are doing some good work and it will also help to encourage innovation because things have changed and those individuals who work on the operational operational floor are the ones who know best, I would say, about what the business is and what your customers want. So make sure you tap into those individuals and encourage them to have open, honest kind of conversations and your communications in the recover phase should hopefully help them understand that. Keep monitoring that engagement. I'm a big fan of data and measurement. Um, your gut feeling is really important, but backing that up with evidence and data is, 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 I would say, equally important to give you that foundation about how things are actually going so you can plot and monitor before it get, goes a bit too farther down the line. Also keep checking in with your back to the workplace team. They're there for a reason. So sense check with them, give them a you know, pick up the phone 
and just have a quick chat about how certain messages may have been received in the organisation, what people are saying about them, how people are feeling. So you can feed that right back up to the senior um, C-suite uh, colleagues so they understand what, 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 what's being said and what isn't being said. And lessons learned. We often forget that, you know, what did we learn? Where did we fail? Where did, we, where did it work really well? Keep a track of all the kind of big lessons and even the little lessons, in fact. And I normally just have a little spreadsheet and type in what, what, what I've kind of learned from that moment and what the kind of results were and what I would have done better. And it just keeps track. So when you do the evaluation after every every few months, it'll just give you a sense of where you need to kind of improve and your learning areas and where you're kind of doing really good work. Uh, and keep sharing those good news stories and success stories. Um, and what I mean by that is this, your, your employees are guaranteeing, if you're not already doing this, then I would definitely get them to share some of the good stuff that they're doing in their community and the work that they're doing with their colleagues, because that is really, um, it's quite motivational, right? And people are doing some really good work out there. And we can often forget when we're in the kind of the weeds of, of what we need to do and, and encouraging colleagues to share those news stories. If you've got a workplace and people are seeing some great stuff about people sharing the view out the window, for example, and just keeping that motivation going. And there's going to be some nervousness about some people heading back into the workplace and wearing things like masks if you're not used to it and keeping that social distancing and those traditional kind of going into the cafeteria together and sitting next to each other and having dinner, that, that all is going to be very different for people. So just encourage them to share their stories and how they're communicating and getting people to kind of share some good stuff will really help move things forward. Um, before I go into my very last slide, I just want to do another kind of temperature check and a pulse check to kind of check in with how those of you who are doing or those who haven't done pulse checks, I just want to see how do you think your employees are feeling? Do you know? So I'm just going to launch another poll um, before I kind of give you another top uh, tactic that may help you kind of understand how your employees are feeling about the current situation. So just give a couple of minutes for that. And the reason I ask this question is because we make some of us can make the assumption that we know how things are going by a couple of chats we may have had with our friends or some people that we're quite comfortable in having that conversation with. And I've always kind of followed that saying that assumption can make an ass out of you and me. Um, and it's really important that you actually, you know, do, do that sense check and do those temperature checks and you truly understand how your employees are feeling about the current situation. So let's see what the uh, poll says. Okay, so majority of you say a little bit. Those of you who have said no in a little bit, I would definitely encourage you to kind of get those pulse checks and temperature checks out. It may doesn't need to be down a survey route at all. And I'm going to share with you this, um, and some of you will know this. So apologies if I'm um, teaching you how to suck eggs here a little bit, but I just want to share this model with you that I really appreciate um, and I use a lot of the times with my uh, senior leadership team to use with their teams. Um, sorry, just get to the next stage. It always kind of has a slight delay when we do a poll. Um, as I'm just going to talk about while the slide appears. Um, it's called the Culber-Ross model. So I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's, it's, it was Elizabeth Culber-Ross who initially developed it in... Um, early on in, in, I think it was in the 60s actually so don't quote me on that um oh I think I might have jammed um okay 
I'm just going to let that kind of do its thing while I just talk over it. So apologies, you can't see it on the screen, but I hope it'll pop up in a second. Uh, so the Culver-Ross model, if you want to Google it, you'll see it's a change curve and it was initially developed as a grief model. Uh, and it was developed to help people understand how to manage grief. And I would say what we are going through at the moment in this pandemic is a type of grief. Um, and we, we're kind of, we've lost a lot of the ways we used to work and, and we've had to adapt the way we're working. Um, and that model has been now been adapted for, um, I'm just going to stop screen sharing for a second and then I'm going to reshare if that's okay, just to make sure, because um, I think it's jammed because of the, the poll. So bear with me, apologies. Um, so the model was initially created, like I said, to help people understand where they are on that change curve. Because one thing to understand is that people um, don't move at the same pace. Just give me a second while I, I'm, I'm multitasking here. Um, people don't move at the same pace. So it's really important to understand that um, when people don't move at the same pace, um, the communication has to adapt slightly. So I don't know if you've seen this before, so I'm just going to share it again so you can see it on your screen. Um, so the, I've, I put my pillars over the, the, the change curve. So you've got the, the, the initial phase, which is shock, denial, and anger. And people go up and down this change curve like a roller coaster, by the way. So you'll have people who are kind of like, yeah, I get it. I know what's going on. I'm okay. I'm now a part of this. I'm accepting it. I'm going to be part of this future. I'm going to start solving. And then, then as soon as the change has happened, you'll move into, they're quite quickly moving into that depression um, phase or feeling a bit low and, and thinking, what's the point? And they'll maybe back up again. And then they might go into denial. I get my senior leaders and line managers to take this into team meetings and get people to plot where they are on this change curve. And it just gives them a sense of where their teams are and, and what's happening in their teams. It's, it's There's various versions available online. Some people, there's another step that's been added in now, so you might want to check that out. But it's a really good tool to help you understand the morale and energy and performance as well of what's happening in your business. So highly recommend that you check out the change curve and use it as a tool and a bit of a framework to help your, help your leaders uh, and it's a good conversation starter as well. So uh, I'm going to um, hand over to Rebecca, who's just going to explain how this model works in real life. So uh, hopefully the screen share works here. So I'm just going to make that bigger for her. Thanks, Avita. Sorry, Rebecca, so, carry on while I mess around oh, with screen share. Sorry. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, a quick intro um, where I've been sharing, but uh, what I'm going to cover now just quickly is some of the um, basically our case study from what we've been doing in, in uh, the CCG, which is the part of the NHS uh, that I work in. So to give you um, a bit of an overview, um, I work for Bristol, North Somerset and South Gloucestershire Clinical Commissioning Group. Uh, so in the UK, there are, I think there's about 40 or so uh, clinical commissioning groups and we all commission health services for a specific population. So um, the section Bristol, North Somerset and South Gloucestershire is around a million residents um, and uh, we commission all the health services uh, for the, those individuals. Um, and uh, in terms of our workforce demographic, to give you an idea, uh, we've, we're predominantly office-based um, and we've got, it's BI analysts, we've got finance, we've got clinical staff um, and uh, so whether that's safeguarding, we've got a referral service 
Um, we've got customer service team. Um, but as I said, predominantly office-based and our role sort of going into um, the uh, into the, the pandemic, so in the middle of March, uh, we had to transition uh, those work that that uh, staff body into home working, um, and then uh, there was also uh, a part where a lot of our core business, what we were calling our core business and day to day work, was paused because we had to respond, um, obviously to, to the local to the response, and to uh, and so a lot of staff were then deployed back out into other roles. Uh, so there was a role then uh, in terms of our comms, um, in terms of how we transitioned staff and supported them um, into that, um, in, into different roles for um, a, a temporary duration. So um, what uh, I am just going to quickly uh, do another poll. Um, and this was about knowing what your key concerns are for your workforce and whether or not uh, you know um, what uh, the concerns are that your workforce are facing. So I'll wait for that to pop up on screen. So this poll is about listening, sorry, uh, I'm one ahead. Um, but uh, yeah, just to understand um, if you've done any listening. And so this links into um, the uh, poll that um, Avita did a moment ago. Uh, and that's because, uh, so when we approached how we're going, we were going to support our staff uh, through uh, the pandemic um, and recognising the, the, the scale of the challenge that was facing uh, the NHS, um, we set out in our internal comms two very broad objectives right from the beginning. Um, they weren't um, they, they weren't smart. We we were working at quite a pace, but broadly we set we set out to understand how connected staff felt to the organisation um, and how supported they felt. Um, and this is where listening really uh, plays into this. It's, so it's great to see that, that lots of you are um, listening to understand how um, staff engage with, with, with the communications. Um, so the elements for success uh, for us were really based around taking that listening approach that Evita's touched on already. Um, and so we introduced a, um, at, the, at, the, at the early stages, it was a weekly um, pulse check to really understand um, how staff were feeling. So were they, con were they connected? Where were they getting their information from? And were we supporting them? And it's recognising that um, working from home, a lot of organisations might have a working from home policy. Uh, you might have a flexible working policy, but nobody does it on a permanent basis and they didn't apply for the job potentially on that basis. Um, so it was also recognising that staff have, um, were all facing personal uh, challenges as well, which were really going to impact on their ability to deliver their job. So how could we support them through it. And one of the elements for success uh, for us as an organization was really focusing on the well-being aspect and introducing a full well-being program to support staff. And we were able to, we, we had a live strategy uh, document where we um, were running our temperature check and then we were responding. So in, in real time, putting in place um, things that staff said that they needed. And, um, it you know, it's developed into, we've put on a, a huge amount of, of um, activities and support, but it's further than in terms of well-being, it's, it's more than um, fruit and yoga, uh, but it is about how you enable people to bring their whole self to work, um, recognising that people have children at home, they might need to work um, flexible different hours, 
And we really, um, through listening to them, were able to see, and and I'll show you uh, in a bit, that we were actually able to measure the success of that. Um, The other core elements that we really need to consider, if you're looking at what sort of model of working you might be implementing um, going forward, so a lot of organisations we know it won't be um, potentially office-based. You'll be looking at a hybrid between home and, and office working and how you use office space in the future. It's really important. Um, We uh, developed what we call a single source of truth. So one area where staff at any point could go to and find out the latest messaging um, and the the latest guidance that they needed. So whether that was how they accessed the office or any risk assessments they needed to, to go through. Our frequently asked questions were all held there. We put that on our intranet. Um, and it was so that because you're home working, people don't, you have don't have the ability to just go up and check something with somebody. Um, and it's people will be feeling a lot of anxiety. So it's making sure that people can really can find the information quickly and that it is um, up to date. Uh, and that can really provide reassurance for staff as well, uh, particularly because a lot of people are finding um, an over uh, use of, sort of Teams meetings, uh, feeling a bit Teams out. Uh, and actually, um, any kind of conversation now that you used to maybe have walking through the office or, or, or quickly checking something with a colleague becomes a meeting because you have to call them and then you end up takes 15, 20 minutes. And actually that in itself can be really draining. Um, the other sort of two points uh, are quite closely linked, but single sign off goes back to uh, where Evita was talking about a back to the workplace um, team. Uh, within the CCG, we set up uh, an operational working group that basically was our business critical response centre. So anything linked to keeping the CCG operational. And it was great. So comms were there, uh, internal comms had a seat at that table. And it was making sure that you have, um, so you know, if you're working um, in comms, having a single sign-off process, so a, a designated um, executive who has responsibility to make sure that those um, communications get signed off really quickly. Uh, and if you're a senior manager, it's really important that you really champion or, or get endorsement for that because um, otherwise, if, if communications aren't getting out quickly, staff will quickly um, disconnect, they'll fill the void. Um, and it's really important to have make sure your communications are really clear because people are sat in their home environments potentially um, and they're, they're, they're making up the rest of the story. So if you don't, uh, if you aren't able um, to tell, to, to answer questions quickly, it can um, lead to that sort of ambiguity. Uh, and that's why um, having that single source of, of sign off can really speed things up. And alongside considering how you keep your leaders visible. Um, so whereas before you would see them obviously walking around the office, how do you make sure um, that your leadership team um, uh, have a voice? And for us in particular, we've really seen a change in people's perceptions of our, of our leaders um, and they've become a lot more human through this. And there is a huge opportunity to do that. Um, but how do you make sure that um, people are still hearing uh, from your, your chief, exec, chief, chief executive and your leadership team and seeing them? So whether that is um, a weekly uh, briefing, um, whether it's Q&A sessions, but that they are, are fronting that and that people can see them. Uh, so just in terms of obviously, just talk through sort of what works for us, but we've actually got a bit of um, evidence. Uh, so on the next slide, I'll just quickly... Hopefully it will load. 
through listening um and actually we we did reduce our, our pulse check after um i think it was around july when things started to change we we went down to fortnightly but what we were able to do was track how staff were feeling in real time so um we could see their main concerns and worries that were coming out and as you can see um that we could track how where concerns peaked and then as they sort of decreased um and the green showing um how uh, that that feeling changed and how we were supporting and directly responding to staff need and that's what i'd be a huge advocate of the importance of really listening to staff at a time like this to really understand because whatever's um whatever concerns your staff have um they are going to impact on their ability to be able to bring their whole selves to work at the end of the day um and then just the final slide before handing back <clears throat> to david um whilst it loads was just to show what success looked like um our satisfaction with our internal comms remained really high throughout and we were able to check we regularly would sense checking what channels people were actually engaging with um and uh what you know if people were feeling connected um and if they were feeling supported which were the two questions that we carried on throughout the whole survey whilst other bits did um did change week by week um and again Green was just showing where um, where engagement peaked with different channels, and that sort of data has been really, really valuable to us in being able to understand um, and, and to be able to make sure the staff remain supported um, throughout uh, the, the six months that we've just been through. Fantastic. Um, we've got some questions coming in, and I've got a, a few things. Really interesting presentation. Thank you for, for sharing that. Um, we'll go through a few questions. Firstly, um, Rebecca, I'd like to just touch on you speaking about leadership visibility. And I was listening to a really interesting podcast with um, with Reid Hoffman, Masters of Scale, I recommend it. And he was interviewing Angela Adrents, who was the Burberry CEO and then the Apple Retail CEO. Really super impressive lady. He was talking about her comms and just getting messages out there. She used to do video comms, you know, quick two minutes on the iPhone, send it out to everyone. And I've noticed a lot more video content coming through in the virtual world. So maybe you could sort of give us a view around your your views of more video content in comms rather than the traditional send an email and people may or may not read it. Yeah, so I definitely think there's a case of a, a lot of people think, well, no, I communicated it because they sent an email uh, and people don't factor in, did anyone read it? Um, but in terms of video, video is a much uh, more engaging way to, to get a message across. You can also do it in a much shorter, snappier way that doesn't take up uh, a lot of, of time. But one of the comments we actually got back from staff, so we do a weekly um, chief exec briefing that we took online. Um, it's it's like hosting an all-staff event every week. Yeah. Um, we've got it later on today. It can be quite stressful. It's hosted by our chief exec. And actually, we recorded uh, that um as well while well, during the pandemic as an audio file. And actually um, it, a lot of people were saying how valuable it was because they're reading so much because people are always on the screen. So in yeah. terms of actually having, make, producing content in different ways, recognizing. Um, so we actually introduced a podcast as well, yeah. um, a wellbeing podcast because people can listen to it on the go. And we've seen a, a huge drop. I've seen it myself personally in terms of people becoming really sedentary 
um, working slightly longer hours as well because you're absorbing your commute, that we need to be thinking about ways where staff can get messages, but where we're not fixing them to just reading reams of content because it doesn't go in. Um, but how can we get sort of key messages across um, and delivered in the style of the of the leader themselves? Yeah, I think technology's had a good pandemic, basically, hasn't it? All coming yeah. to digital content and how they can change the way they do business. And and just finally on the NHS, how's, how's morale there? Because, I mean, they've been, you know, frontline heroes and there must be a huge amount of pressure on the NHS. I know it's a vast organisation, but how are people coping with it all? I was going to say, I can't speak for everybody in the NHS, um, but um, there's... I mean, in a way, in terms of of, um, there's been so much love for the NHS. And I think that's really, really um, carried people through. Uh, So one of the things on a Thursday night, for example. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that we did in um, in our area was we did a reverse clap. uh, So we got all of the healthcare staff to clap for the public to say thank you for your support and for, um, you know, uh, following the, the government guidance um, but there was a real um, feeling I think of just people really being part of, of something and I think that has really a crisis can really help focus everybody and that's also in some ways um, made things a lot easier because everyone is working towards that one goal and that's I think some of the really big learnings that have come out of this because obviously in your day-to-day and in some ways I think what we we're going into is probably the harder bit when you go back to businesses and you, as usual, when you've got lots of competing priorities and there's lots of important things going on, it's harder sometimes than what we've just come through is a whole organisation coming together and really focused on, on one um, you know, core uh, vision and goal and working towards the same objective. Um, but, um, yeah, there's definitely a feeling of... Um, of, uh, of say camaraderie uh, and you know and, and good feeling in terms of, of being part of that that response I think you've really seen organizations and people's true colors in a crisis haven't you I think uh, Warren Buffett famously said when the tie goes out you see he's swimming naked and you know it's really sort of see people, you know the spirit and the fortitude coming through so I just want to touch Avida if we might now on um, you spoke about town halls blank canvases and a few people have been asking me you know where we'll be in 12 months time, what it will look like. And I've sort of said, well, basically, I think we need to take the best bits of the old ways of working and the best bits of the last six months, merge them together and use it as a blank canvas. So, I mean, obviously, your business is going to be your business if you're an insurer or a telco. I mean, there's only so far you can change that. But in terms of the way you work, there's an opportunity to really reimagine it and get everyone's engagement and buy-in. I was wondering if you could speak to that a bit because you were speaking a bit about that. Yeah, totally. I think, you know, this is a great opportunity and I think we need to start looking on the positives a little bit because it's really easy to kind of get so drained on on all the negative that's, you know, and it is a really just a terrible time for so many people. But in order to kind of look towards the positives and see what worked really well, like you said, David, what worked really well last time and what can we do to improve things working better? So I know... You know, some people are doing some amazing things online, like virtual socials. Um, I, I saw one um, one team that I work with did a, a, mist, um, a treasure hunt, like a mystery thing where they had shared clues and, and people following around with their phones and just to kind of make some, you know, do some interesting things. But also in terms of virtual town halls uh, and looking at... Um, 
because you can, I don't know what it's like in Australia, but in the UK, you can gather a social social distance. I mean, it might change, but just keep keep an eye on what, what the kind of rules and guidelines are telling you and mix it up a little bit. The one thing I do want to kind of share is uh, just going back on the video thing is a really good tool. If anyone has not come across it before, it's called Powtoon, P-O-W-T-O-O-N, and it's an animation tool. So those of the, those of people who are doing that, the video things, you may want to do animation. So it's it's really inexpensive. It thinks like hundred and twenty dollars per annum, but it's well worth checking out to kind of mix things up a bit as well. Yeah, fantastic. So we've got a few other questions coming through. So we'll just try and uh, knock over a few of those. So Rebecca, maybe you can handle the first one. So this is an anonymous question, um, and the question is: from your perspective, should the regular sense checks be anonymous, or should it be a survey with names? So I would be a complete, I would say anonymous and we have kept ours completely anonymous because there's an element of building trust. Um, we do have uh, free text boxes where people could, if they, and sometimes you can, people leave without maybe realising that you need, you might be able to identify where somebody in what department maybe somebody works. Um, but one of the things that we've seen is by um Number one, obviously, then people being able to freely talk because they might want to say something that isn't particularly positive and you need them to be able to share that feeling and know that that's not going to then potentially be used against them because that's what the nervousness always is, I think, from people being able to freely share their opinions. And I think over time, as people have seen that we've responded to that, positive and negative, to try and make change um, happen, you build more confidence in people being able to share when things aren't working because that's what you really want to get down uh, and under the skin of um, is what isn't working and how can we fix these problems Um, and we've seen the response rate grow uh, over time Um, and uh, so I would absolutely advocate uh, keeping anonymous Um, but if you did want to you could um, ask people if you know to leave their names if they wanted to but I don't know how much value it would really add. Fantastic. I'll throw this one to you, Advina, if we may. Uh, Jamie Newman asks, good evening, Jamie. Um, how, often do, how often do you do the pulse checks with the team? Was it weekly? What platform did you use to gather the information? In fact, this looks more perhaps centric to the NHS as well. So maybe you can both answer this, this one with your relevant experiences. Was it just a standard poll like SurveyMonkey, et cetera? And do you, see, do, you do any room team style temperature checks to see how various teams were coping. So maybe Rebecca first, then Avita, you can you can uh, chip in with a sentence. So in terms of our sort of the regular um, temperature checks we were doing, we just use SurveyMonkey. Um, I'm quite lucky in our team we actually have an insights and engagement team so to really help sort of hone the questions and make sure that we were asking questions that weren't leading in any way and that we could build on what we'd done um week on week um but it was just a, a survey monkey uh account that we used um we did also do at the um at our weekly gathering that uh, the chief exec briefing that we we did we did some live um Pulse surveys, so similar to the the, the Zoom um, surveys that we did, um, to just get a broad kind of temperature check of how are you feeling. Um, and it was a bit more, I would say, uh, so it was making that meeting more interactive, um, but it was just more of a, of a sense check of in the moment, how are you feeling? Um, and that was, um, you could use any um, sort of online pulse, uh, people using their phones to, to sort of answer the, the poll questions. 
Fantastic. Avida, what can you give us a, a, a few words around pulse checks with the team? What what you've seen work? Yeah. I think I think I think you need to. Um, I, it depends on on the appetite of your team. I think trial it out. I would say um, monthly if you want. I know people do one question a day in some organisations on the intranet where they just do a little pulse and one question and that's it. You can use things like Mentimeter as well, which is a really good tool to do if you if you don't want access to Save a Monkey. There's also Google Sheets is a good way of of getting questions in but I would say uh, on a monthly basis depending on how frequent the change are you can also do it fortnightly but don't go just don't don't be asking hundreds of questions I would try and keep it to around about four or five if you're doing it monthly if it's that frequent if you're doing it quarterly then maybe push it up to eight or ten but don't ask too many questions and just before we move on just big thing about when you're asking questions is make sure you do something with them don't just keep asking questions and getting the answers and then not doing anything with it because you will just turn people off Fantastic. Final question, one for Rebecca. Now, we're talking about face masks, mandatory in public spaces in Melbourne, and I know in, inside in the UK you've got to wear them. So the question really, and thank you for sharing, Elizabeth Lim, is how can we proactively commu- communicate the importance of handling the face mask correctly in the workplace? Tricky question. Interesting question because yesterday we we did some some planning around this, so we've just done a short video, um, which is very hard to do when trying to to demonstrate that you should be wearing a face mask. Um, but bringing it brings back that. Um, uh, so the bit that we're working on on right now is being really. You have to be really really clear about what you're expecting people how you're expecting people to operate um within your office spaces if you've got sort of guidelines and the and things that you and why you know people should be following them i think um we've just we're using video to talk through along with written um formats as well so that people really understand um what is it they're supposed to be doing because i think when particularly on on an issue like this when we referenced it right at the beginning i think a lot of people in the uk are very confused about what the rules are and each organization needs to um work out what's right for them and it comes as you need to make sure that um you get an organizational position so whether as long if you're community you know to, and to ensure that you're covid secure which is what we've done but then what is your organizational stance to keep your staff safe and then in terms of communicating that um making sure that uh, the information is easily accessible uh, and that people clearly know when and when they're not when they have to wear it and when they don't um, so that there's no ambiguity because I think that can also lead to increased anxiety uh, for staff if they're not sure what they should and shouldn't be doing. Fantastic. And the why. Don't forget the why. Sorry I was just going to say the big thing for staff is to get them to understand why they need to do that and that, that will really help. Absolutely. I think we're out of time. And actually, just on the handwritten note um, and the face mask, uh, my amazing colleague, Brianne, we commissioned um, some face masks for our team and she sent everyone in the team a face mask along with a handwritten note. And I have to say, it's such a genuinely authentic thing that she did. It was brilliant. We really, really appreciated it. And I think, you know, the handwritten note is so unusual to get a letter these days. So I really particularly enjoyed that point. Um, we're out of time. Thank you, everyone, for uh, taking part today. Um, Enjoy the rest of your days. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, Evita and Rebecca. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much.
This episode of Conversations with Thought Leaders was brought to you by Granite Consulting. To stay up to date with future episodes or access the library of past episodes, register for future events and other valuable resources, follow the Conversations with Thought Leaders LinkedIn page or visit the website at www.cwtleaders.com.